There is a podcast beyond that which is known to man. We call ourselves the Nerdtastic Four. Welcome to the Nerdtastic Four podcast. I am Kern, defender of nerds and destroyer of pizza and rum. And I am Rose. I'm the fair lady of all things anime and cosplay. I am here with our special guest. Yeah, some guy on the internet. This this random some guy. guy. We decided some to random interview dude. him. Dude. Yeah, I just showed up on the podcast one random day with my my headset and my computer and uh yeah, hi. Uh this is Ivan. How's it going, guys? <laughs> yes. Yes, Ivan. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh for you guys listening, uh this is Ivan Van Norman. And uh, you might have uh, known him from a lot of things that he's doing, but my first time seeing Ivan was on the TV show King of the Nerds back in, I believe that was 2015 million years ago. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. like decades, yeah. decades ago. Yeah, so it's, it's been a while ago, and uh, <laughs> I, I didn't want to spend too much time talking about that because that is kind of old news in relation to what you have going on. But I did have a couple of things. I just wanted to ask you real quick about that show. Uh, sure. um, you know, they, had, you know, you have Robert Carradine and Curtis Armstrong that mm-hmm. that was the host, and then you had a, a slew of guests that was on there, like George Takei and Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Right. Um, Who we got to meet none of. For the no, record. that was so, my question. Yeah, we got to talk to none of them. Aww. They made it. They made it very. They kind of shepherded us away from the people because either uh, initially the the banter they used was is they didn't want they didn't want the judges to be influenced by us. So um, not not even after the show. I mean, no, because most of them are, you know, busy people be doing busy things. Sure. They just kind of really? had to take off. They, you know, they, they made their commitment to do the show. And some people sticked around. And, you know, if it would be funny because the, sometimes the people who got eliminated in that in that day, whatever, mm-hmm. would actually have an opportunity to go. And because if they stuck around and hung out right. for whatever reason. Right. Uh, but, but that was... That was about it. We Aww. after we did our competition, we were we were escorted back to our zone. <laughs> They're like, oh, go, wow. back, go back over here. Yeah, go back here. <laughs> um, like literally, just uh, uh, the best way I can do it is, is it was literally like being chaperoned. We were <laughs> right. a of, just a bunch of kids on a field trip. Aww. It's like, no, you can't meet the tigers. No, you, you can look pet. at them. You can't, <laughs> you can't pet, pet them. them. You know, uh, come over here, Jimmy. We're going to go see the elephants now. I'm like, no, I want to pet the tiger. I want to meet George Decay. Right, you no know. kidding, right? Yeah, but yeah, it is what it is. Aww. That's right? fine. You know, the only person who I was um, uber bummed about was, uh, man, I'm trying to remember who was all in there. Because it was Kevin Smith. It was George Decay. It was... One of the doctors, Yaya Han, who I knew already. Um, I knew uh, I already previously just from being around Nerdist and Nerdmelt had met. um, Oh man, the 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 beautiful singing duo. Um, Oh, uh, Oats was it? 
Oh, Garfunkel and Oates. Yes, oh, okay. yes. Um, so I had really, I had already kind of known them, and I ended up hanging out with MC Front a lot, like at a uh, convention, like the following year. Anyway, nice. so that wasn't that wasn't it, bad. And that was one of my favorite episodes when they were on there because that's when you guys busted out that song uh, "Nerds Are King." Oh and, man. Uh, and my favorite part about that was at the very end when you go boom headshot. This <laughs> like that's that was so awesome. random. I've never. <laughs> there is something to be said that is uh, good mixing makes something like you can make yeah. people who sound awful sound amazing with right? good mixing and engineering because because I am the worst singer of my life, but I they made me sound great. So I would keep him around just to mix my life, yeah. you know, yeah, like in were, real time, in real time. <laughs> yeah. And talk, talking with Rose, when we first started talking about having you on the show, you know, we both, you know, were in agreement that you were our top pick for to win that. And, uh, you know, we were both pretty bummed when it didn't happen, but um, that's very sweet. You know, it, is, it is what it is, you know, and uh, but yeah, you, you're. You seem like a super cool guy, you know, and I was, you know, I, I felt that on the show. And that's part of the reason, why, you know, why I really was wanting you to win. Because I was like, man, this guy seems genuine. He, you know, from from the get go with the creation of the team name to the to the role playing, you know, deal. When you come out on the stilts and everything, I was just like, man, this dude's hardcore. And I was just like, you know, I'd love for him to win. And then uh, you probably don't remember, but as a couple of years ago, I met you at San Diego Comic-Con well, with my son. And it was kind of an embarrassing moment for me because I was like, I was like, oh, I, I remember you. And I couldn't remember your name. But I remembered, oh, I remembered. that's totally fine. I mean, it's, it, to, it's, it's so it's so just kind of one of those situations where, um, you know, like I see people I recognize all the time, too. And I have no idea. Like there's people whose names I should know. And uh, they just go in one ear and out the other. So yeah. no blame, no hate there. Don't even <laughs> right? worry about it. Yeah, and you you were super cool about it. You know, you didn't you know haze me or you know anything like that about it. But yeah, you were super I'm great. Glad I wasn't a dick. Thank God. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Thank God I wasn't a dick. Right. Uh, yeah. No. It's 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 interesting because that it was kind of a um, you know I wasn't doing poorly before then but it was definitely one of those situations where the show um was was kind of like a leaping point to kind of have new fun opportunities in the space and i knew it was going to be a five minute of fame kind of thing right come in you go you do your thing and then you know it's it's very cool and it's very all very exciting for a while but for me the question was always well what's next right right and that it's was like, what, okay, I did this cool thing, but now now what's the next thing? And that was ultimately, you know, why I wanted to talk briefly about that is is because I was kind of curious if that kind of maybe gave you a little step up and kind of springboarded you to the next level and some helped. of the stuff you're working on. It didn't it didn't it didn't like it didn't doing it didn't make define me as who I am now and didn't make right. me what it was, but it was a byproduct of just stuff that I was already interested in doing on. And it definitely gave me a leg up when it came to like opportunities that would come sure. later. Like I didn't get, I didn't get involved um, doing media hosting for geek and sundry as a result of my time on King of the nerds. I did it because I was already a real, a real powerful marketing personality who knew how to do crowdfunding. Okay. Right. Know? Yeah. And cool. uh, I did a lot of crowdfunding campaigns for the nerdy space before leading up into that. And when I got involved in the tabletop season three campaign, that was like that was just the that was the inception of me starting to work with that company more. Um, but it did help when I like started to meet 
you know, be a guest on other shows to kind of get involved in the social circles that's involved when you live in L.A. and you're around other people who are behind the scenes and behind the camera and that kind of stuff. Um, but again, none of it like defined who I was. It was just kind of like, oh, here's Ivan. He was on King of the Nerds. And then it kind of that was the opening intro, and then that was it. That was the point. Like it's, right. It's it's after that intro that made people be like, oh yeah, I remember that show. That's cool. But then it wasn't the show that kept that stuff going. It exactly. Was, yeah. It was just being being a decent human being and being uh, and being and and being around other interesting, fun people that kind of continuated well stuff yeah like right. keep, keep do keep being like staying into it and and getting into involved in things on your own on your own volition yes. and not just relying on what you had before right, right. It, it's because i always say there's no such thing as luck there's no luck in the world luck is crap um luck is simply preparation plus opportunity you know so if you're prepared in life to receive an opportunity and you receive that opportunity and you act on it and you take advantage of it, that's when you make glory in your life. Not you because you just randomly got lucky. Right. Right. Yeah, winning the lottery is lucky, I guess. <laughs> winning if you want to talk the about lottery luck. is lucky. Yes. <laughs> that's about it. And that's uh, rolling, you know, rolling a natural 20 is luck because uh, that's just what it is. But But getting to a place where you are in life, um, you know, like so, it's it's so often you do see it, and even happens at conventions. The time they're like, "Oh, you're so lucky to be doing." Oh, this I hate stuff that. Yeah, happening. It's oh, like, yeah. You're, it's so it. You're so you're so lucky that you get to hang around all these cool people. It's like, well, not really. Like I work <laughs> yes, for this. It is, <laughs> yeah, it is cool that I'm here. That that these things happened, and yeah, there is a really good chance that it may not have happened. But you know. Choices were made. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, you, you, you set yourself up to be in that chair or at that spot or, or whatever. And right, like you whatever. Said, you, were, you were able to run with it whenever it came, came to be. You know, just, you mentioned Geek and Sundry. Uh, I was watching the uh, episode where you had Will and uh, Becca and yourself playing Lanterns. And uh, I had a question about that. Uh, during, during that episode... Uh, there was like a little sound bite and I was trying to catch what was going on exactly that would play and then you guys would dance at the table. What was that all about? Okay, so uh, the and this is what happens when unfortunately you um, take take a piece of product that was originally intended for live TV <laughs> and then it would go over to YouTube instead is, is that that was a, uh, a ported over uh, piece of content from a Twitch broadcast. Oh, okay. okay? Um, so uh, on Twitch, especially during that stage when we were doing things, is when people would subscribe, which meant that they're essentially committing to $5 a month on Twitch to subscribe to our content to get, like, avatars and the VODs and stuff that you get when you're on Twitch and a subscriber. Right. Um, we like to reward those subscribers in lifetime by – there's usually a little sound bite that plays. And then we okay. do a little jig. Um, to kind of be like, hey, thanks for your subscription. So it's it's to the point where I've been I've been doing it for so long. It's almost Pavlovian. <laughs> I hear the sound. Yeah, you just then, kept you going just along. <laughs> Didn't miss a beat. <laughs> kept going, and of course, because Will's on the show, people are like, 
actively subscribing over and over and over again because they they want to watch Will dance. Right. Sure. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, and so it became one of those things where it was just like a serial chain until the producer at the time was like, "All right, we're cutting it off. Like, we're <laughs> yeah. not doing yeah. this anymore. <laughs> we're not doing this anymore." And I think it was because it became yeah, very clear it. at some point that we were all like. Come on. Yeah, like, this is going to be a four-hour show if we keep having to dance. Yeah. <laughs> well, not even a four-hour show. It's just going to be three hours of dancing. Just dancing. Right. Play the damn Nothing game. Else. So, right. Uh, yeah, so that I hope that explains it. I didn't realize how un, um, how unobvious that was. <laughs> well, I thought it, I figured it had to do with something, but I'm kind of Twitch ignorant. I mean, I'm like totally behind on some things. I just recently, probably within the last, I don't know, three months, started an Instagram account. So, you know, I'm behind on a lot of things, so okay. uh, I, I think it had something to do with some type of subscription or anything like that, but I didn't realize it was a paid subscription, so that's why I had to ask. Yeah, it's it's fine. I mean, I didn't even get a Twitter account until they're like, Ivan, you need to probably get a Twitter account. I'm like, oh, fine. Yeah, <laughs> I've just started Twitter. doing mine for like the past year, maybe, but yeah, I've, I've, I've just now gotten used to Twitter. <laughs> It takes so much time and effort. Yes, it does. Sure. Especially with all of them. If you're running on all of them, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, it, uh, I don't know if people do Snapchat. I don't know what all is out there now. But, yeah, you can you can spend all day long trying to update. Now I see why the major celebrities probably have – some of them, I think, do themselves. But I think some of them actually have assistants that help them with that, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's the point. Yeah, big personalities, um, they tend to approve. Like, it's it's I've seen that a little bit, and it's one of those things where – Someone writes them out, and then they basically, you know, put a spreadsheet in front of that person, and then they approve it. Oh, <laughs> or wow. They may, or they're like, <laughs> I don't like that one. Make that change. That kind of situation. Jeez. You know? um, and that's not, a, that's not uncommon, because then that turns writing 30 to 45 tweets into a five-minute approval process. Right. So. <laughs> right. No kidding. Silly. So silly. Oh, the celebrity life where you can approve your tweets. Yeah, approve your tweets. Please, here are tweets for approval. Oh, sir. thank you for the, the tweets. Let me approve these. Um, yeah, it's fun, though. It's, it's again, it's very, very nuts. But, uh, uh, you know, and, and live content is kind of, it is a new thing, but it is a Wild West. But it is very fun to kind of see the direction in which it's going. Because it is, uh, it is essentially. I look at it like we're kind of going back to the glory days of live TV when it was, um, you know, live programming and there was a live studio audience. Yeah. You know, like the, right. the glory days of SNL or like um, TV sitcoms when there was like a live crowd laughing at the jokes, and there was that kind of energy that people enjoyed watching on their TV that we're now getting in like internet form right. because there's a live chat that's right. right next to it and there's a way for audience to interact with programming instead sure. of it just being kind of being creative in a vacuum yeah well I, and i can kind of see from the twitch thing because like even on twitter you know what was the big thing for me was like when i first started doing twitter was that like that random chance that you know that one person because i'm a huge um, adam savage fan, you know mm -hmm. and from Mythbusters. And so, you know, anybody from Mythbusters, you know, it was like that one chance that they may reply to my tweet. And if they did, right. it was like winning the golden ticket to go to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. like, oh, he replied, you know, and that's kind of, I could see where some of that live stuff, especially like on Twitch, if, the, if people are responding 
to certain people and they mention their name on the show and answer the question, they're kind of like, get all giddy. I can, I can totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's also happening live. So you do feel like in a way you're interacting with it. And, right. and the good, the good channels that are doing good things are constantly rewarding community activity. And one of the great things that I do love about the Geek and Sundry Twitch channel is it is 100% focused on community. Like Very there's cool. regular people who come and watch and interact in the chat. There's people who turn in every single week to watch the same shows, you know, and these people build community around seeing each other and hanging out and doing things and when people come in they're usually usually nice and um and it's one of those things where it's like you are building community around programming right right and so like we... i have a go ahead no go ahead sorry i was gonna say i have a wednesday show uh, an rpg show because critical roles on thursday obviously every single right. week and for okay. those of you who <laughs> for the few of you who may not know what critical role is <laughs> it's a it's a um rpg show gm'd by matt mercer who's a well-known voice actor yes doing all of his friends who are voice actors playing D um cool. and we have a we have there's now an RPG show on Friday that's a Doctor Who RPG. Oh. And then Wednesday I host an RPG show that showcases new systems like every month or so. It's called Foreververse and it's basically it's Sliders meets Quantum Leap and my cast basically goes through different RPG systems which are different universes um every month or so, you know. Right. And uh uh there was a point around this. Oh, and what we do is that there's a there's certain rewards for certain shows depending on how much you watch. So beyond just having a $5 subscription, which helps take care of everything that's going on inside of the channel, um, there's this thing called Revlo points, which are arbitrary money. It's like it's it's phantom money that you accumulate by watching actively the show. You get Revlo points based on how many minutes of programming you've watched. Oh, all right. And on a, on a lot of shows, you can cash in Revlo points to have cool things, you know. So if you're not, you know, if you don't want to throw money at a situation, there are still fun ways to interact in the community based off of stuff that doesn't cost you anything. Right. Um, and on my show, we have a big payout to essentially reveal a story point. Like, there's a big mystery on my show that is kind of slowly being unraveled over the course of of the show and if they want to reveal a big plot point they can actually buy in and they call we call it a, a eureka moment for one of the characters <laughs> so you can you can buy a eureka moment which then reveals um a, a huge plot point centered around the story right. so, that's really so neat i don't think i've heard any other like system or any other uh entertainment group doing something like that it sounds very different and new and I, I really like it that sounds really it's interesting very different difference is the key word it is just uh you know whether whether it's a, it works or not and it's just one of those things where you have you you don't really know until you watch it if you like it some yeah. people don't enjoy watching people play role-playing games live it's just as like i don't get it over it done <laughs> but for some it's as good as watching a radio drama or right. a television show it's like i'm still seeing a story play out and it's something that I can relate to because this is an activity that I can do as well. Right. Yeah. Use that imagination. Yeah. Use it. Yes. Use it. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna. I was gonna ask uh, Ivan. You know. You know everything that you're involved with. You know with Geek Sundry and 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 all that. I mean, how many different hats are you wearing? 
through oh, all God. Because <laughs> it sounds like a lot. My, res- my resume is terrible. Like people <laughs> sometimes ask, like, "I'm hey, so uh, so. What do you do?" I'm like, Jesus, I hate this question. <laughs> um, so I'm a game designer and publisher. I have a publishing right. company called Hunter's Books, which we make role playing games, and my occasionally a children's book. Yeah, yes, we're going to talk about that. Um, so I have a publishing company in which I'm one of the co-owners and developers for. At Geek and Sundry, I am both on-camera talent, I am a producer, and I am um, also, at this point, I guess that's pretty much it. So it's just, I, I have on-screen talent, I'm a writer, I, am, I write a lot of my shows too, and I produce, and I am a showrunner for a lot of my shows too, which is Very essentially cool. the direct, a showrunner is the TV equivalent of a director. Okay. Okay. Know? Um, so, uh, yes, so I'm producing a lot of content and I'm also producing international tabletop day this year, um, which is the big, uh, international event that is hosted by geek and sundry, but it's it's hobby community worldwide. It's, it's, it's an event that the entire hobby community can participate in every single year that activates through the retailers as like a fun way to participate in board games. Is is there a particular you know because I'm I'm sure you might get I don't you, you've probably been asked this before but is there a particular board game or tabletop game that you you just despise playing but you you muster <laughs> through it anyway you'll just go ahead and and buck up and do it I uh, that's that wouldn't be fair to any developer who may be listening <laughs> to you right now yeah, fair enough um, fair enough <laughs> that i'd be calling them out uh i definitely have games that i'm just not interested in playing anymore for sure right. um right. whether they've been overplayed or i just don't feel like they contribute to f- to my fun anymore right you know even though i'm still playing a board game every week and usually a couple board games every weekend just to keep up to speed with everything. I still try to play things that are fun for me. And um, it's, there's just some games that I, that I just don't find fun anymore. So, you know. so on the opposite end of that, what, what are, what are some of your current favorite games to be playing right now? Usually it's whatever I last played. <laughs> yeah. I'm just enjoying so. it all. Uh, the ones that stick out in my mind right now that were really a joy to play, because um, it's also about the people that you play it with as well. Too, right, all. exactly. Sure, sure. Um, but I, I, I was reminded about how much I love Sentinels of the Multiverse because we played it on Thursday. Okay. Um, and we usually we try to feature new games, but that one was particularly special because I just did a how to play video on it on YouTube. Um, but then we also played, uh, I, I actually knew Angelus, one of the new fantasy flight ones in the Netrunner universe, um, okay. is next week. And I actually really enjoyed playing that, uh, terraforming Mars is a goddamn wonderful, beautiful game. I saw that. Um, yeah. that I'm a big fan of, uh, uh, potion explosion stuck out of my mind as a great game that I enjoyed. Uh, God, what else? There is just so many out there um i i'm extremely i haven't played it yet but i'm extremely excited to play escape from coldwitz which is the reboot of that old um world war ii escape game that was originally designed by the one man who was able to escape from this this world war ii nazi internment camp Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you've heard of this no it sounds really cool though so it's an older game, but they but uh, Osprey Games recently um, put it together and then updated it and put it back to market. Um, 
it's it's Colditz, yeah, Escape from Colditz, and Osprey recently put it back into place. Um, but it's super fun. So you have one player that takes place who's essentially playing. The, so it's a little bit like a, a um, Fury of Dracula, where it's like one player against many kind of situations. Okay. Well, one player is playing the German guards, and the others are <laughs> escape officers who are uh, responsible for organizing the escape of prisoners inside of this Nazi internment camp, you know? Um, and it's it's so awesome because not only is the like the context historical and it was uh, recently it was advised it was like um, um it was uh, uh it was devised by a major who actually escaped from this internment camp um during the war and he was like an author of this uh, of this book called the Coldit story and it was it's it's just so interesting is what it is. It's very it's it's not different than like a lot of the other like hidden movement um games that you would expect from like Fury of Dracula and stuff, but it's just it's so interesting in its historical context, you know. Um yeah. And I haven't even played it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well it sounds really cool. Like, I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it's it's a different thing. It was um it was it came out shortly after Gen Con last year because they were showing it okay. off at Osprey's booth. Um you know, and then there's also uh the Arkham Horror card game which is on deck for me, Scythe, which is awesome. I enjoyed it. I got the I got the pleasure of being able to play Mechs versus Minions when it was first kind of um working on Clank was great. Have you played Clank yet? No. Clank's from Renegade, and it's uh, it's essentially a, it's a deck building game with a board um, where you're trying to spelunk into a dungeon to you know um, capture and steal artifacts and treasure, but you're trying not to wake the dragon at the same time. But it's a deck building game in which you generate Clank, you know, um, by uh, uh, by drawing and playing cards. Uh, but you know, it's, it's interesting because I've never seen a deck building game that you has board navigation at the same time. Okay. So, that's really interesting. Yeah. Words and things and games and stuff. Words in all the games. Right. Well, that's the thing. Board games have kind of just exploded the past few years. I feel like it, there's so many different kinds to play now and you see so many really interesting and innovative ones that it's hard to keep them all together in one spot. It's, it's, yeah very involved <laughs> yeah it seems like you know over the last few years it seems like you know because used to you know like my first experience with any kind of rpg obviously was dungeons and dragons and uh it seems like a lot of these games kind of have that feel where you kind of like some of them you take on like a persona or whatever and you work your way through the game and uh whether you choose to role play or not i guess that's up to you but that's kind of the way some of these spells not like Monopoly or anything like that. And, you know, it's it's got a whole different right. different style to it. And it seems like like Rose mentioned, those types of games are just really exploding. And I'm trying to remember the one game that I played. Uh, these guys were doing a tabletop this card game uh, where you had to figure out if somebody was a werewolf or not. And um, maybe it's called Night of the Werewolf. I can't remember. Was it One Night Werewolf? Was it like the 15 minute version of Werewolf where um, it even had like an accompanying app to it? Yes, and then pe- people had to figure out who was the werewolf, who who was you know so forth. And if you were wrong, and you know one person could win, you had one guy that was always trying to convince people he was a werewolf, 
that's the that's the 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 tanner he only wins if he is killed so, <laughs> right yes and, and and i thought that was a great game as simple as it as it is just with this deck of cards and as far as you know having a game you don't have to pull out all these pieces or anything it was such such a fun game to play and again that's that was with the type of people you're playing with you get a good group of people and it's just awesome. right of course yeah uh it's it's and it is and it's an exploding market and it's amazing what people find him and how many people are interested in board games and board game content now it's a i feel like you know i'm usually getting phone calls pretty often on like either advising how to do board game content or like i directed a um a series for smosh games called board af for their like uh for their 13 to 17 year old demographic and it's like what board games would 13 to 17 year olds like to watch a bunch of 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 our personalities play you know right and you go and watch those episodes and they're great and they're interesting and they love it like they love watching people play like a lift it or um secret hitler or even role playing games. Yeah. They just they just eat it up like birthday cake, you know? <laughs> and right. it's so it's so weird. But it's great. It's like the new generation loves board games too. Yeah. Right. So, you can get right. those those more interesting us. ones. <laughs> it's not it's not just our parents and even our grandparents depending on your age. Uh but it's also like our kids. Right. So, which is why ABCs of RPGs did, I think, as well as it did, because there's a lot of people who are, like, for example, my age and either have kids or just having kids who are deep into role playing and they want to have an outlet that's entertaining for them. But that's also fits the bill of like, this is this is good to read to my kid because it's honest and sincere. And it's not like, if I may be so bold, there are a lot of nerdy um kids books out there but most of them are pretty much for the for the um for the parents right and the kids just don't comprehend it or it's not appealing in a way for nostalgia like the very very hungry cthulhu pitter well you know cthulhu i'm so surprised in how much kids content around Cthulhu there is. It's just insane. There's like Clifford the Big Red Shoggoth and, you know, the very, very hungry Cthulhu Pitter and um, I'm trying to think there was another one. Uh, but there's, it's just amazing how much Cthulhu stuff is around and at the same time that that's, that's entertaining and it's fun because it's a juxtaposition. Cthulhu is so not kids book stuff. And it's fun because of the parody of it, but I didn't, just didn't find a lot of stuff out there that's like sincere in its desire to inspire and amaze a younger generation around the hobby that I love so much. Right, and, like and it's that... more of a it's more of a they're they're disguised as kids' books, but they're really more for the adults, and it's stuff that we'll get, but younger kids won't get. And I have seen a lot of the artwork and pages from ABCs of RPGs, and it's more like, it's more, I guess, whimsical, I guess, than I've seen a lot of other kids' books, nerdy kids' books be. So it's more, it's you can tell it's definitely just for younger kids, and we can still enjoy it and think that it's funny, but the kids will get it too. Like, the kids get it too. Yeah, right. the kids get it too. And, and that's where... That's kind of where you came, you know, let's jump into uh, the ABCs of RPGs. Uh, that's kind of what got you 
uh, going that direction, Ivan. Is that correct? You know, you were looking for something for your son and you, and you were, yeah. were not finding <laughs> out there what you needed. Yeah, it's it's it was one of those situations where it's like, uh, you know, my my kid was on the way, and so me being a nerdy dad who likes nerdy things and occasionally gets to talk about nerdy things on the internet every, every once in a while, right. um, I I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna go find some nerdy baby stuff. So I dug around and I looked for books, and I was like RPG, you know, RPG kids books, and like digging around, and just wasn't finding anything that spoke to me that was like delightful and honest and anything like that and granted maybe i didn't even dig too hard maybe i just gave up too quickly but at some point in there i was like you know what screw it i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna make one because why not and uh that kind of put into my brain that this would be something really fun to do. One, because there's nothing like that out there. And two, because I selfishly wanted something to read to my kid. Uh, and then later it kind of came about because I was uh, writing a piece of content for um, ABCs of RPGs, or I'm sorry, for Geek and Sundry. And it was, I was trying to basically write a long winded um expo on like how to get into role-playing games. Like I've never played role-playing games What's like a piece of editorial content that could be video content that like gets people into RPGs, gives you the basics. And as part of a writing exercise, I was like, okay, well, what's, you know, what's the, what's like the top 20 things that you should know if you're going to get into role playing games? And I wrote them down. And then so, at some point, somebody said in the meeting, it's like, yeah, it's like the ABCs of RPGs. I'm like, that's super clever. That's stupid <laughs> clever what you just said. And so I went home and as a writing exercise late one night when I was just in a brain fart, I just wrote the ABCs of RPGs just as a kick. Um, just like wrote it down A to Z. Didn't even finish all the letters, just wrote it. Right. Um, and then I turned that into to my buddy who's the editor-in-chief and he reviewed my 10 pages of script content that we're looking for, like the basics. And he was like, yeah, I looked through that. I mean, we need to tone it down a lot, uh, whatever. <laughs> but this ABCs of RPGs things that you wrote, that's awesome. That's brilliant. You should turn that into a children's book. And then it was like, boom. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. Yeah, there you it go. It just exploded. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we, um, I mean, ten, whenever. 10 months later. So. Whenever we, whenever it first came out, uh, so my group of friends, we have a Facebook group just for us that we use to, to kind of communicate because we do a lot of tabletop games and we do a lot of things like that. So we, we communicate on there. The group is actually called Totally Tabletop. Um, uh, and we, I remember when it first came out, one of my friends shared it. And I was like, oh, look at this. This is really cute. And look at all the little, and it was like the ABC of RPGs had like all the different pictures and stuff. And I was like, oh, Ivan did this. He was from King of the Nerds. I know that guy. <laughs> cool. Where did, where did they find it at? I don't remember. It was a while ago. Oh, that's cool. That's <laughs> fun, it's always yeah. interesting to see where it shows up at. Yeah. It's right. Thing. And you know, when I was looking at y'all's Kickstarter page, and and that was, I love the way that thing was laid out with the different levels of like how you, you like what would happen if you get this much money, what would happen if you get that much money, and so you know, obviously, you know, you guys got to do the book and, and a little bit more than what you intended originally. I mean, you were hoping obviously to to get through those levels, but um, is is there a plan? I mean, after. I don't know what kind of success you're having with this. Yeah. Is there going to be a plan to do the, the app 
that you... Oh, the app. Um, the app is just... I loved the idea of the app, but it was very much a shot in the dark um, okay. uh, kind of level because the the cost of putting something like that together sure. is so involved. And I've gotten a few quotes from various developers because I know very specifically what I want, and I even have examples of how it's been done in the past. Um, but it's just one of those things where it would take it would take a lot of diversion of, of man hours um, as well as just a really strong partner who's competent and isn't going to back out at me last minute right. um, to go, to put it together, you know? So, and then all of, all of that to be invested into putting together a nine ninety nine app or a two ninety nine or a three ninety nine dollar app. And to be honest, very likely not recoup costs on it, you know, right. because the amount of, the amount of money that you have to commit to even getting an app done, even on a very basic level, is usually in like a five-digit category stage, you know. And uh, I, as much as I am confident that there is a lot of people out there who obviously bought the ABCs of RPGs, um, you know, it, I, it would, it would involve a lot of time, effort, and energy to make sure that that was successful enough and was visible enough to people in order to recoup what would the potential cost on it would be. So if I had the upfront capital, like I did, if we had done with, uh, with the Kickstarter, then it'd be one thing, it'd be less of a risk. Um, but since we didn't really make that funding, it was going to be one of those things where maybe I'll bake it into another one of the, if like, if we do another version, if we do another activity book or we have another product in the ABCs line, which we are working on. There's a couple of, there's a couple of other ABCs of RPGs things that we're developing right now with Caleb. Nice. Um, that once they're farther along, we'll we'll start like shepherding them out a little bit. That's so. awesome. Oh, and my friend had shared the Kickstarter on our group page. That's what it was. Oh, cool. Yeah, great. I'm that makes it so much easier <laughs> uh, when people share things. Yes. Um, now is that is that available in uh, soft and hardback? Uh, right now, it's just hardback. You just okay. you get a hardback for fourteen ninety nine. Nice. So twenty eight color pages, fourteen ninety nine. You can get it on ThinkGeek. You can get it on um, your friendly local game store, or you can get it on our my website. It's also on Amazon, but it's it's currently um, out of stock on Amazon until until the warehouse puts the puts <laughs> more in there. So it's funny though. I just typed in ABCs of ABCs on. Um, Amazon right now, and it was the fourth result. Oh, yes. look. And uh, actually, it just says only three available. So it's actually back in stock, which is great. great. And there's one available used for $95. Wow. Okay. $95? Uh, uh, why, would you, why would you do that? Someone's trying uh, did, to. Did you sign that one by chance? <laughs> right. Yeah, from a... the goodwill of Dayton, Ohio, oh. is the seller. <laughs> Uh, Goodwill, putting it, putting it up for ninety five bucks. Uh, that's a bargain. That's, that's going to be a little hard when there's a new one that's available for fourteen ninety nine. Right. Yeah, and, and the used one may already have. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe they're thinking they they got a lot of labor involved there with coloring in things and stuff, so they figured they could tack on some value. 
No, uh, no idea. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. Has it um, been touched by God? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It'd be a lot to do $95. <laughs> At some point, I've also been told that Amazon likes to um, fluctuate pricing on items uh, solely hinged on if there is something out of stock and if people are putting stuff in their waiting list. Oh. You know, like, for example, um, my first edition of Outbreak and Dead, which is an RPG we put out back in 2011, 2012, when it was out of print, um, and but a lot of people were still trying to buy it on Amazon, for a while, like, it was available on Amazon for, like, $650 Whoa. or something asinine like that. <laughs> and it was simply because... You know, I'm sure that just a lot of people had it in their wish list. And so when it when it was still out of stock and when a used one became available, it used how many people were in that wish list to kind of like mark up the price. Yeah. You know. Do some sort of weird uh, like supply algorithm. It's I'm sure it's some very smart algorithm that Amazon put together that I don't understand. Right. So <laughs> Who so knows? there was there was some stuff that you know because because uh, I'll admit that I don't know every aspect of the uh, of what you guys reached on your Kickstarter, but on some of the stuff that you had for the stretch goals, uh, one of them was the lyrics, like a sing along deal. Oh um, yeah, sing along song you can get on our website. Fun, so, nice. A is for adventure. May you always be on one. B is for book, the source of all our fun. Yeah, it's a it's a little sing song. It's cute. <laughs> I don't. I don't think they had to edit edit you in too bad uh, in the studio for the, for your rap song on King of the Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just uh, it's so I, my buddy's library bards put that together. Oh, nice. You know, yes, I saw that. I saw um, I saw one of the videos that they did. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it has uh, it's about basically about the Hobbit, uh, the Taylor Swift parody. Oh, uh, the uh, uh, Gandalf. Um, Gandalf. Yeah, yeah, which was the, one of their one of their definitely more fun uh, videos. Um, and yeah, they're super talented, super great. Xander was on season two of The King of the Nerds, right. and we kind of we kind of bonded over mutual strife. So, <laughs> um, oh, okay. And uh, well, not mutual strife, but going through the process, yeah. so right. to speak. You know. The... Did you kind of mentor him a little bit through that? Uh, you know, I mean, there was definitely one of those situations which I wanted to make sure that that he was, um, that he was mentally prepared, like right. for what he had, because I certainly wish people had told me what to prepare and how to expect and how to go through things, and I was vigilant in taking care of my elements uh, of of post show stuff. And um, I just saw it as an opportunity to because I met so many cool people who I really liked on my on the first season. Um, and I just wanted to see if there was other cool people in the yeah. other seasons as well, too, that were worth hanging out with. That's fair. Yeah. Cool. Rose, <laughs> yeah. did, did we have some questions? Did we get some questions in? Yeah, we got a few. Um, one of the questions was it's a very simple question. What was your first tabletop game? Oh man! Um, <laughs> who, who who asked that question? Uh, that's one of the ones that uh, Desmond had. Oh, okay, Desmond. Uh, my first tabletop game, if I remember correctly, so board game or RPG—they're both different. I'll, I'll I'll probably answer both. I played all of the classic games, 
like Sorry and Monopoly and Mousetrap right. and all the things that you play when you're little um, in the early 90s um, to late 80s. But I remember the first board game that I played that, like, dazzled and wowed me in, like, a fantasy way that was more than just, you know, playing Sorry or whatever is, like, I remember playing Hero Quest and having my mind blown. And then immediately after that, playing Dragon Strike and just loving it, just freaking eating it up. And for me, that was kind of like my first tabletop RPG and my first board game in that in that way uh, that, like, gave me a storytelling element because I was reading out of the little, you know, the quest guide right. that you were still just running around room to room and getting your ass handed to you. I forgot how hard that game was. <laughs> I played it again, like, a couple of years ago, and it was like the Fenrir are just, like, they kick, they just, they're, they wallop you, dude. Um, it's rough. And, uh, uh, I remember doing that and having a great time with it. And then my first role playing game was me GMing a game of Palladium fantasy. Oh, Palladium. wow. Okay. Yup. Yeah. <laughs> yup. Not meant for 10 year olds. No. It explicitly <laughs> says on the front cover, there is demons and demon worship and cultists and dark magic in this game. It's Mom, can I get this? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember picking it up in a comic book store in Alaska because my mom used to go to Alaska all the time to teach up there. So I just picked wow. it up because I had a cool wizard and a dragon on the cover, uh-huh. you know? And um, boy, was Palladium a bad choice for me. Uh, <laughs> I tried so hard to get my friends into this little storyline that I was putting together when all they wanted to do was take their butcher knives and cut up goblin balls and fry them on a frying pan. Right. Um, <laughs> that it's like I was so offended that they weren't <laughs> into my storyline that I just like kind of gave up and stormed out of the 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 like impromptu tent that we set up and our in my backyard for our for our game session and i reflected on that game a decade or so later and remind and told myself i'm like wow if i had just been okay with my friends doing what was fun for them we would have had such a better time yeah and it would have been so much more positive of an experience for me but because i was so focused on my fun and not focused at all on their fun, we all had a bad time. And that became, like, a really good lesson. Yeah, I think that's, like, DM 101 is to to make sure that everybody else is going to be having fun as well. So that's kind of cool that you got to experience that at such a young age. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe. He might not have thought it was so cool. Right, at the time. It's, it's just the things the things that you learn when you make choices in life. You know, yeah. Good or for me, bad. The, for me, the first um, RPGs I started playing that I really enjoyed outside of Dungeons & Dragons were um, two that were cyberpunk and then villains and vigilantes. Vill- um, villains and vigilantes. Cool. Yeah. And um, I really loved that one. And um, But yeah, that, that was kind of like, it was like, I just had to break away from D and D. It was like I got I got to do something different, you know. And then my friend was like, right. oh, hey, "Here's this villains and vigilantes." I was like, well, "What's that?" Superhero <laughs> time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who doesn't it's, want to be a superhero? I mean, 
it's amazing how many old systems there are that cover the superhero bases. Like, even before Mutants and Masterminds came out, yeah. like, there was so many superhero RPGs that were, were in they were in the zeitgeist uh, even before like the big titles came out you know now there's like um you know rotting capes which is a superhero zombie rpg uh, you know it goes it's it goes down so deep down the rabbit hole that sounds so, awesome yeah it's cool i prefer my zombie survival simulation stuff yeah the out the outbreak one that you have that one sounds really interesting i haven't really looked into it a lot but Sounds it's just a fun. different thing. The idea is is that it's it's Walking Dead versus like All Flesh Must Be Eaten, which is very much uh, you know like Left for Dead or like it's it's a it's a purely a body count kind of game where it's just hack and slash, um, which is which is what a lot of zombie games are. It's about just you know it's being it's about being empowered in a zombie universe, yeah. you know? Well, Outbreak Undead is more like the Call of Cthulhu of the zombie world, where it's about, like, how terrible are you and how how much the odds are stacked against you and how you have to survive against those stacks. You know what? I didn't even realize that now, but that's the best comparison I think I've come up with now to this point. It's the Call of Cthulhu for the zombie world. So <laughs> There you go. It's more based around the first. people and the players than it is around just killing zombies. It's around the people and it's about the survival element of it. Because it's a zombie survival simulation RPG. And it's supposed to be you play – it's played best when you can create yourself as a character – and then use your uh, what we like or call our gestalt, your practical experience, in order to give yourself the, the practical app, uh, the practical experience that you have in real life to see how you would fare in a zombie apocalypse. Nice. You know? Which is why the whole tagline is "Your zombie survival plan will fail." I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to comment on that. I love that because you got that one picture where it shows you behind the screen. And you've got that little deal down there. And, and I can't remember how the how the, the lead-in is to the picture, but it says something, and then, then then it's just kind of dot, dot, dot. And then it has that, your zombie survival plan will fit. Your yeah, zombies, yeah. And it's, we made it. We made it. A, it was like it was a trademark that we actually put together for the game. And the idea was this, that all plans logically fail until they've been tested, you know? And so... All plans fail until they've been logically tested. So use our game to test your to zombie survival To see if it'll plan. work. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Because so all the plans picture... fail until they've been tested. <laughs> right. So the picture, it says, that's what I had to look it up because I wanted to make sure I had it right. It says, so you want to test your zombie survival plan, do you? I hate to break it to you, but. And then there's the picture uh, with your zombie survival plan will fail. And that's, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, this is yeah. something that. I think my friends would enjoy, so I should look into getting this. <laughs> ah, yeah. If I, if your friends are into punishment, dude, <laughs> yeah, do it because um, it is it is definitely a punishing game, nice. but very satisfying if if, <laughs> if you want if you want to kind of just dis- discover what that means for you. So now uh, it, it, now I, I want to make sure that I'm understanding. So you basically you're going to have a game master, right? For this, I'm going to have a what? For this game, you need to have like a game master, like a dungeon master, a game master. 
Yes. So you still you still have a dungeon master for it. In fact, we're working on the um, right now. There's a second edition starter kit that's available on the market, and you can go and purchase the survival kit on um, you know Amazon and your friendly local game store. And it essentially has a, like a pocket rule book and um, a couple character like a rip pad of character sheets, some dice, and um, some some reference cards. So the starter kit is the only thing that's out right now for second edition, but we are going to be doing a Kickstarter for the second edition core set um, in this year. Cool. So Very cool. Probably so quarter if, one or quarter two. If I wanted to be DM on this, how how difficult would it be for me just to jump right off into it? With I mean, is there do I need what I need to do quite a bit of prep work ahead of time? I mean, uh, I the good do a certain amount, obviously, but. I mean, is it so a little the, bit more difficult than some games? Yeah, the, the game has a little bit of a learning curve, but we've done a lot to kind of um, uh, get, bring that down a lot in, in the new edition. Um, the good news is that if you learn the system, you can run a game with no prep. Like, if you know kind of how the basics of the game works. And sure. the thing about Outbreak Undead is because it's a zombie survival simulation RPG, we kind of uh, designed the game so that there's like there's a core mechanic in the game to play and so there's a way to do there's a way to do checks and then there's a way to do like long actions which we call labor you know so if you want to do something right now versus if you want to do something over the course of hours um days weeks whatever and um if you understand those kind of base mechanics you can kind of continue to play the game but there's so many other elements to the game that you can add or remove from your game to make it more realistic okay nice know? So if you want, if you want like the most realistic simulation element that you can possibly get, there's a lot to learn, you know, because reality is very difficult to simulate without uh, some layers, you know. Right. But if you just want to play the game and get some friends together to to roll dice and like do an escape scenario and just kind of. Um, you know, plan out characters. Like I can, I can pretty easily make characters, even create yourself as a character um, nice. pretty fast. And then you don't have to do any prep. Like most of the time I actually run games at conventions in which I say, you hear gunshots outside. What do you do? You know? And then I just pull up a version of Google maps on my tablet and we just run the game from there. Oh, nice. So how much fun would it be to make, make yourself as a character? You know, you've got your buddies and, and, and you basically, I don't know, you know, Obviously, in a lot of lot of games, you know, you roll to to see what you get on this or aspect or whatever. But let's say you just created it yourself, you know, and it was just like really me or really my buddy. And you know, it's like he can't run ten feet without you know losing Panting. his breath. Yeah. You yeah. know, so he's <laughs> obviously not going to have high stamina. So I, you're not going to allow him that if he wants to play himself, he's not going to have high stamina. You know? Well, and we help with that a little bit. We have an impartial uh, personality test that you can take on our website nice. called the Spew AI, and it's the Strength Perception Empathy Will Assessment Index, and it's a thirty-question personality test that you take. And once it's done, it pops out your core stats if you're to play yourself as a nice. character. Nice, you know, very cool. So there's still obviously practical experience that needs to be applied in the game mechanics and elements like that, but that is really um, that's really the nut. The, it gives you the nuts and bolts of what you need to start. Yeah, right. that sounds pretty very cool. cool. Yeah, that'd be very cool. 
Yeah, it's it's different and it's lovely. In fact, I have to I keep thinking about ways to make the test better. And one of the things is that what I was thinking is is that we don't actually say at the end of the test like now apply your gestalt, now apply your health. Like we kind of the test right now just pops out your core stats, but it would be very nice to be able to add some more elements to it. But we had a we had a programmer as a third party put it together, so we have to find someone to kind of go in and manipulate the code in order to make changes like that yeah Yeah. that's super cool uh yeah so that's outbreak and that's again we're working on that second edition core set right now um on top of everything else (laughs) so uh but it's good it's good we're we're we have good plans for it we just need to execute it so very cool nice what's um yeah what's like so you do a lot of you do a lot of DMing and things like that. What's your like your favorite like system to use either to build a new game or to um, to build just like your average game on that you want to do with your friends or I guess on the show that you've been doing? Do you have like a favorite system or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, if it's just a system that's just you know let's let's just get a game in right now like let's just play the two kind of fallbacks that i always have is world of darkness and dread you know so dread's very very uh like a low con or not a low concept but like um low impact kind of rpg that lends itself to just doing a couple of hours of storytelling yeah. you know so it's very much uh, it's one of those things where you could go to say a weekend retreat at a cabin and bring a Jenga tower with you and still get a role-playing game in yeah. um, and not have to, like, plan it out too much because you just basically come up with a ghost story, right? you know, um, versus World of Darkness, which, you know, is a little more involved as far as character creation elements like that go, but it does translate its rules light enough that you don't have to have players absorb a lot of crunch. Yeah, you know? I, I love World of Darkness. <laughs> it's, like, one of my favorites. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's, it's fun and I do love World of Darkness and I do love, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to put a pause on this for two seconds because I just got a text from the girly girl about the baby baby. Okay. Alrighty. Um, yeah, we'll edit, edit this. Mark yeah, edit time. this, edit this. <laughs> oh, we may leave it in there. I think it we'll just matter. leave it in. It's it's great. It's real. No. <laughs> edit it. Edit it all. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, what's it like? How excited were you being being a dad? I know your son Phoenix. Uh, how old is he now? He's eighteen months. Uh, eighteen months. Yeah. It's and so, stupid cute. It's a stupid cute kid. <laughs> You know, um, I didn't realize just kind of like, well, you know, you never really prepared. And I was honestly terrified um, at first, just like my career is over with. I'm never going to get anything done ever again. (laughs) Like I'm that legitimate fear of of like when you realize that it's not about you anymore. Right. Right. And then at some point I got past that. And it became one of those things where just like any other choice, if you want to do something, you will make time for it. Yeah. And if anything, it actually really laser focused me on what was important, you know. So I 
uh, I stopped kind of like exploring what it meant to like you always want to still go take risks and do interesting things and and um you know uh not just disappear but it was one of those things where it really kind of like asked me okay what's important let's focus on those yeah you know instead of just kind of like meandering um and trying to find out what's what's important you know it made me focus on what's important right now in my career uh and and that allowed me to make time with him that's awesome and so and, the ATZs of RPGs, one of his favorite books. I mean, how how much have you got to spend with him? Dude, on that? he is so bored of that shit now. <laughs> <laughs> Dad's read it so many times it. to him. <laughs> no, he no he he loves it. He still he still enjoys it. Good. He, he he picks it up and he he actually loves books. What he'll always um almost one, usually one of the first things he'll he'll do two things now when he comes home from daycare is he'll come and he'll go to his bookshelf and he'll just, I, I, you know how, um, you know how when you just want to clean a table off real quick, like you put your arms together and then you just like, like if you're trying to clean a table off real quick, you just like pull everything off into like a trash can or whatever. Like you just like swipe it in. He'll put both of his hands together in like a big circle, like he's holding a big beach ball. And then he'll just pull every book down from a bookshelf (laughs) It'll splash everywhere over the floor, and then he'll just sit down and just start flipping through books. Aww. Like, nice. he'll either do that, or he'll walk over to my tablet, and he'll start pointing on it but so he can watch his shows, because he likes his shows yep. on tablet. <laughs> PBS Kids. PBS Kids and Dino Trucks. The kid's 18 months, and his most – and the thing that he loves the most is a show about dinosaurs that are trucks. That's probably dinosaurs. perfect, I think. <laughs> Eight. It's it is. It's like the show was made to entertain little boys. Nice, you know. Um, and DreamWorks made it. It's actually it's actually not a shitty show. It's mildly entertaining. Nice it's dinosaurs that are trucks. Yeah, we like, were we were kind of talking a little bit earlier. You know, we were talking about children and trying to find things for children and stuff like that. You know, it's it's amazing now. You know, how many you know of us that were the geeks and the kind of maybe the closet geeks and nerds back then that wasn't cool back then to, to be, you know, into say star Wars or, or certain types of things that we were into then that now have exploded over the last 15, 20 years uh, that is now cool to be a part of, you know, like cosplay and everything like that. And, um, and it's amazing at that now with parents introducing their kids to that and the kids getting involved that now that's cool for the kids too. You yeah, know? And, yeah. And I don't think he understands. I mean, like, just like I didn't understand in 18 months what was cool and what isn't cool. It's just right. stuff that they're exposed to gives them a little bit of a sense of identity, but it's just stuff that they're familiar with. Like, my kid probably knows what an owlbear is yeah. versus nice. like what <laughs> yeah. other kids have no idea what an owlbear is, you know? Right. And that's just stuff that he's used to seeing. And it's just that's part of his exposure. But as he gets older, he will find things that delights him. Sure. And that's part of like there will always be kids who are impressionable and love their parents will want to do things that their parents do. But there's also the thing about them discovering their own identity and mm-hmm. what is fun for them. Right. So I'm always trying to keep that in mind too. It's like my fun isn't my kid's fun. You know, and I should keep in mind that he's going to find things that are interesting to him. And I have to make sure that I don't 
inadvertently steer him away from that just because it's not something that's interesting for me. Yeah. Kind of reminds me a little bit of along the same lines. This is probably terrible for me to say, but I've seen it before is those dads that want their kids to be boy Scouts so they could be boy scout leaders because they didn't do boy scouts when they were a kid (laughs) or they did do boy scouts when they were a kid and they were like Eagle scout. So now they want their kids to be Eagle scout and their kids, as they get older, they like, I don't want to be a boy scout. You know, I want to play football. And it's not, and it's, and it's, and at the same time, you're right. You're 100% right. And then you also think about like that dad who just really wants to be involved in Boy Scouts again. And it's like, you kind of feel bad for him. Right. I mean, granted, he made his choice. Maybe his parents didn't put him into Cub Scouts or whatever. Right. Um, But then there's, so in a way, there's a weird back and forth because if, if the kid just understood how important or how much he missed that as far as parent he may enjoy doing that because because it makes his dad happy you know right um but at the same time if he's not into it, he's not into it you know right. and then if you want to do cub scouts just go be a volunteer leader anyway yeah Don't try to like yeah. you know make another thing out of it in <laughs> fact if anything if you want your kid to be a boy scout go be a boy scout leader and then your kid will want to go join you just so he can hang out with his dad yeah you know right. and that's what any i just use that as an example but you know kind of what you're saying it's kind of what <laughs> yeah, it's truth lines. You know, for all I know, my kid's going to want to be a Star Wars fan. Right. And for all I know, my kid's going to go into lacrosse as soon as he can, like, see a ball. (laughs) Which is fine. It's like, if I I end up having to go to a bunch of lacrosse matches, I will just bring, you know, my my Nintendo Switch or whatever the cool console's going to be at that time when he's out and and playing games. So, So, so (laughs) speaking, speaking of that with Nintendo and stuff, uh, are are you uh, a video gamer at all? Or are you just strictly yeah, no? I do RPGs? play video games, but I have I'm I am a, I am I am part of that generation that plays video games when their kids asleep. Yeah, right. Now I when I when I uh, when I come home now I I essentially spend a couple hours with my kid that I can, and then I hop on my PS4. Or sometimes, since I have the luxury of working from home. Um, or working from my home office, uh, I can occasionally play on my streaming computer in the middle of the day, um, as long as it doesn't feel too guilt heavy. <laughs> um, you know, when I'm not getting work done. Yeah. So, but that's that's me, and I, not everybody has that luxury. So right. You know. Awesome. Rosie, was there any other questions? Yeah, we had a few more. Um, the next okay. one yeah, is. Um, do you, you, excuse me, do you use Roll20? If so, what do you think of it? Um, I haven't done a lot of VTTs, mostly because it's hard for me. I'm in a position actually where, and this isn't what everybody has, is that a lot of VTTs are used for when groups can't get together right. to play. And so VTTs are a great resource to bring friends who have either moved together or don't have time. Um, uh that's it's that's just an, I'm not in a position in my life where I need that or I have a group that needs to fulfill that. Um, uh, so I haven't used it. I did use it for a show with um, Hyper RPG in which we played the Open Legend RPG and we used Roll Twenty as like an as a dice roller and we were supposed to use it for maps and overlays, but it didn't really become necessary in the okay. game. So it's a it's a slick system. It's obviously the most tried and true and the most um, 
I would say refined because I've also tried iTabletop and I've also tried um, not roll not roll twenty, but there's iTabletop and there's another one that I've played as well too. Uh, but I am by no means an expert in it, and I use them more as marketing platforms to help make sure that people have an opportunity to check out Outbreak Undead versus my actual playtime inside of them. Okay. So, if that makes any sense. Yes. Sure. Yeah, I think that does. I've used it, like, once, I think, but that was a long time ago. I haven't played yeah. any games on online with people that I haven't been in the room with in a long time. Um, did you have, like, what do you think is the best system... For uh, for beginners, for for people who want to start playing role playing games, but maybe haven't had that experience or don't have a friend that's been doing it for for years. Um, any system, honestly, like most systems, should give you the opportunity to have easy entry point and give you examples of play that are good for new GMs. Like most systems, should make an effort to make something easy for new GMs. Um, but if, if it's like, if you're, if you're unbiased, what you want to play, like uh, there are definitely systems that are easier to pick up than others. But I think that's actually less important than it's like, what made you want to get into role playing? Like if there, if you're getting into role playing right now, what got you excited? Like, what did you see? What, what do you love? Like what elements of fan or pop culture makes you excited because I can tell you if it's learning an easy system but not being interested in either its lore or its theme or its whatever, it will be harder to pick up that easy system because you're uninterested in what it has to offer than it is to be engaged and interested in a theme that you love and have to like maybe learn a little more than you would Dungeons and Dragons. Or whatever. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Go for Absolutely. more of what it will interest you as opposed to what Go might for be what easy. Interest you. Might, what might yeah. be easier? Yeah. Because honestly, all role playing games, if you're just if you're just hopping over that first hurdle, are have an element, have a learning curve. All of them do. Dungeons and Dragons has a learning curve. Yes, you can pick up the core box and it'll guide you through it. And there's so many opening adventures to play. But there's still a learning curve, you know? The same – it may not be the same learning curve as, like, Palladium or Call of Cthulhu or Outbreak Undead, but it is still a learning curve. Right. So you may as well be invested in the game you want to play if you're going to go over that learning curve. Yeah. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's for me. Unless you're playing, like, one of the micro games, like Dread, you know, or um, if you're just doing a storytelling system – that is, uh, that is very one-offish or very hands-off kind of situation. But even then, Dread isn't even truly a traditional role-playing game in the way that, you know, that person may understand it. It is a storytelling tool, right? You know, that has a that has a mechanic, a unique mechanic to build suspense and tension. Me in these marketing terms. Yes. So. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Um, I guess we have a few more questions here. Um, what makes the ideal player as a DM from the DM side of things? One that you like to play with. The guy who's fun, or the guy or girl, who is interesting, fun, and uh, engaged in your story. Like, personally, there's no the only ideal player is the player who's in, is into your fun, is into your jam. Like, I... Even if they're sidetracked or unfocused or whatever, it's it's 
that's still more fun than someone who is very good at role playing and is very good at carrying the story along, but is completely yes. disinterested in what you have to offer. Right. And see, I used to get bashed on for that kind of stuff. Like when I played Cyberpunk, because I don't know if you remember Cyberpunk, but the more mechanics you had on your body, the less human you actually were, the less humane you were. And so I had all these devices on me and I would just like go off and left field sometimes because that was my character. And I used to piss everybody off in my group, but I was like, that's my character. That's <laughs> true. And and the only thing that, that like gets that gets that gets to that is is that if your players are into that and they're willing into that, then that's fun for them. Great. But that's that's one of the things that I like to do when I first start a game is I like to like put a thermometer on what kind of game people want to play. Sure. Know? And it's like, what type of game do you want? Do you literally want a dungeon crawler in which you're bashing monsters and collecting loot? Or do you want, like, political intrigue up the wazoo and, like, choices that make you cry Yeah. kind of role-playing experience? Like, what are you into and what are you looking for, you know? And if you're looking – and it sounded like sounded like Kern that you you were like, I want to – I want to – I want to role-play, you know? I yeah, wanna, I mean – I want to play my character and I want to do something that is a little off the beaten path. And your players are like, oh, okay, I want to, I want to activate what the story has to offer, and it's there's right. compromise always, like for you, like disregarding their, uh, what they're trying to do is a little bad on you, but it's also a little bad on them for poo-pooing you. Yeah. So I, I tried to rein it in, but man, there were sometimes <laughs> I just couldn't. Yeah. I mean, there was like a, there was like something that would come up, and I would just be like, I just can't let this go. You know, yeah. I mean, I've just got to, I've got, I've got to go off, you know, and, and it wasn't anything detrimental typically, but it did, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. there's a consideration on both sides. Our, there's a consideration on both sides. Yeah. It is still a community game. Yes. You know, it's the same point as, is like, it, it's your fun, you know, and it's their fun. And if you, you need to be as much into their fun as they need to be as much into your fun. Right. Right. We always try to have the episode or the session zero, where we sit down and discuss, um, yeah, what what exactly we're looking for in this game, what we want to do, if it wants to be more role play heavy, or if it wants to be more action dungeon crawl type thing. So we always try to do that in our group, at least, to try to get a sense of what the group wants to do, and that's always helped out. Yeah, and it's that's just part of the joys of being. In a, in a communal storytelling process with other people is that there are other people to consider. Yes. <laughs> right. And it's, uh, and you know, it's, it's just like any other relationship. You just need, you need to sometimes make compromise and more importantly, you just need to listen. Right. Like I love players who actively listen to other players. I actually don't like players who solely just wait and focus on the GM to kind of say what's up. I'm a huge fan of players who listen to other players and then make decisions based on other players' actions. Right. Those are my favorite as far as, like, things that I enjoy. And that happens a lot when we play Outbreak is is that it's usually decisions are made based on what other people want to do, you know? Right. And the situation is, is, like, closed down upon them. But the situation's neutral, dude. The situation sucks, you know, right. usually. And it's like, what do I do? in that situation and people make plans and they talk and they interact and that's fine. And you know, when you think about it, if you really submerse yourself into 
that game and that story and that character and that group. And you're actually kind of focusing it as like an alternate reality that's happening for you. That's exactly what's going to happen. You're not, you're not just sitting around waiting for the next thing, you know, to happen, you know, car drives by, plane falls out of the sky, whatever you're, you're interacting with the people around you and you're doing kind of whatever that interaction takes you, you know? So if you allow yourself to get submersed into that, that's perfect because exactly what you said, Ivan, when, when they start conversing and they're like, okay, we need a plan for this. You know, there's something, we see this up ahead. What's our plan? We'll, we'll, we'll do this. If this happens, this, if this happens, whatever. I mean, that's, you're allowing yourself to kind of get involved in that little fantasy, you know, at the moment. Yeah. Kind of submerge yourself into it. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of like people getting together and making decisions, I have a great question and it's actually from my roommate, Maddie. And she she wanted to ask, what is the most absurd solution your players ever came up with for a puzzle or a problem? Most absurd solution. Oh, man, that's a good question. How (laughs) absurd did they take care of a problem before? Trying to think back to all the different problems that have been faced (laughs) in the past. Um, You know what? I do... I don't know if it's absurd, but it was definitely like, well, that was a choice. Um, (laughs) But even in my most recent Wednesday game with Foreververse, they had just, uh, they were in the process of taking out a villain. It's the seventh C. So the game system is the seventh C. It's a swashbuckling adventure RPG. Nice. It's like if you're basically going to do like um, uh, Princess Bride or Pirates of the Caribbean or like a swashbuckling storytelling system. So they've recently unraveled a plot for the the Inquisition um, of the uh, what's called the it's called the the I forgot, actually I'm having a hard time recalling the church's name right now but it's essentially the church that is the equivalent of like the the Inquisition back in the days of like um, um, Rome's Inquisition okay. for the Catholic Church right it's a it's kind of a direct delineation from it. And so there is an, an Inquisitor Lord who has been manipulating the people of Avalon, England, and um, kind of like basically planting red herrings and making the church look like underdogs to the government so that they can be in a better position of power. And so they undermined this glorious scheme and they're trying to bur- they're trying to break free a bunch of innocent people who are about to be hung because of crimes against the queen, all right? And beforehand, they were advised that there could be a prison break at this same hanging, because there is also a very, very, very dangerous captain who is known to be a ruthless killer and extremely, um, well, take no quor- you know, take no prisoners kind of attitude. And she... There was a bunch of her pirates who are like, we may or may not be causing a bit of a ruckus. So step off, so to speak. Like, if you're breaking somebody out, so are we. Don't get in our way kind of situation. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so they get in there and 
chaos happens, and so they're trying to they're freeing the people, and they take the opportunity to confront the Inquisitor Lord and almost kill him. But two of my players decide that it would be, and one of one of the players is um, she's essentially a courtesan, like she's just like a deadly courtesan from the this world's equivalent of Greece, you know, Vodachi, um, and she's a courtesan. So she decides. On a whim, she's like one of the pirates who is breaking free the captain. She's she kind of like, quote unquote, allows herself to be captured as booty, like faints kind of in the arms of one of the the, the cap the one of the pirates. Okay, and so the pirate carries her off uh-huh. to his ship, <laughs> and you know, and so the rest of the group kind of has to like follow suit and save her and get things when. The like they had people tell them expressly beforehand, don't go on this ship, don't get involved with this ship because it's terrible and you're probably going to die and it's the most deadliest <laughs> ship on the seven seas, you know. So she just kind of was like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see where this takes me. <laughs> I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna see what happens if I allow myself to get captured by pirates, you know. And I was like, all right. All right, that's the thing. That's a choice. (laughs) Um, So now they're on that ship. Okay. On the ship you were specifically like, you should not go on because it's really dangerous. Yeah, it's like it's too. You should you should probably not go on this ship because it is going to it is it is literally going to be just a uh, it's a it's essentially the 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 Black Pearl from Pirates of the Caribbean, right? It's a ghost ship, and it's a terrible, terrible place to be on. So now they've managed to escape the brig because, of course, as soon as they get them, they just rob them blind. Right. Even after they were like – the way they got through it is, is the essentially the captain's like, you know, I cannot, uh, I cannot take you on my ship. You see, I am full. I have all of my friends here. And she lopped off the head of the pirate that she was holding on to. It was like, well, looks like you got room for one more. You know, oh. so she kind of she she played the hard game a little bit. I was like, "All right, I'll reward that. That was fine." <laughs> but she had to convince them to kind of. She basically had to promise her infinite wealth to even get the rest of the group on the ship. Jeez. So now they're there on a lie. Awesome. <laughs> Which means they got wow. robbed blind. If they managed to burst out of the brig, though, but now they're it's it's. There's a whole bunch of bad things that are going to happen um, now that they're on this damn ship. And even if they do commandeer the damn thing, then they got to convince the damn ship that they're worthy, you know. Um, so we'll see. That happens next <laughs> Wednesday. That's literally – that's we're, that was the last episode. Nice. So, <laughs> you know. Wow. Um, wow. That's a long-winded explanation. I apologize. That's okay. It's, <laughs> it's, cool, it sounds really different. Yeah, like the, I guess that's kind of those situations where the players kind of do their own thing and you're like, well, guess I'm writing this now. Yep. Guess we're doing like, this. Well, <laughs> I was planning on you guys going south to go meet the Duke Palfrey, but uh, <laughs> looks like we're on a ghost ship now. You know, <laughs> that's cool. You know, it you know. happens. Right. <laughs> we have. You have any more questions? I think we got time for one more, Rose. Yeah. All right. Let me see if we've got one last question here. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba. Okay. So here's a good last last question. Um, what's the next step for tabletop? Do you think it's going to be just board games, like all kinds of crazy board games out the wazoo? Do you think it's going to be more augmented reality kind of thing? What do you think the next step is in the future for for tabletop in both board games and RPGs? 
I think I think the reason we have board games and RPGs now is because we crave human interaction um, on a very personable level. So I think the point is that we are now we are now at a stage in which there's a big resurgence of board games because video games have they've essentially they've created something important in our lives but they've also made us aware of something that we don't have like the anonymity the anonymity of the internet is something that isn't extremely satisfying you know it's good for a certain style of play that's competitive or solitary um and you know you can find some community and camaraderie around play in video games, but not that kind of like level of cooperative interaction or competitive face-to-face gaming that like board games have. So having it go digital or having it go VR, I feel like is there will, there will be a place for it and there will, that kind of stuff will probably come up, but I just don't see it going mainstream. Um, I just don't see it going mainstream because the whole point of us getting to where we are now is because people enjoyed that around the table kind of feeling. Right. right. You know? And that's great. I think people are going to be more likely going to just get bored of board games or they're going to get, they're going to get um, oversaturated the same way that like video games are now. Like you go on steam and it's just, there's so many games to pick from. And some people have 200, 250 games that they've never even played in their steam library. <laughs> we're more likely, and we're already getting there a little bit. Like a lot of people, I think there was a, a, um, a metric last year, for uh for kickstarter and like if like 70 percent of games that were kickstarted weren't even played you know uh, or a similar-ish kind of metric like if you bought if you backed 10 board games last year you probably played three is what like the average was wow. so we're already kind of getting in that space where we're just overbuying. And there's just not enough time. And that's one of the most common things that I hear from people about role-playing games and board games anyway. It's like, I have so many games, and I have so little time. Yeah. You know? Right. And that's just kind of one of those things where, you know, until more time is created in the world, they will, it, it, that, may not be the, that may not be it. And I think if anything's going to go to a position where board games, you know, make a transition is it's going to go to that like 15 minute play style where it's like I can play two or three games and um and get that fun and then get out because even to a certain degree that's what mobile games are doing nowadays. Yeah. It's like I can go in and uh play a 15 minute game and be able to walk away from it and not feel like I'm unresolved. You know, and a lot of digital board games like Star Realms or um, there's Potion Explosion is actually coming out uh, for Asmodee here pretty soon. Uh, And even like Lanterns, all of these and Sentinels of the Multiverse, all have digital apps and or digital versions. And those are fun. Those are great. Uh, It's just that unless people are playing those games for another five or ten or five years or even two years it's like that investment to get it into that digital platform may have been um may have not worked out uh financially for those developers you know so if you develop a board game and it has a six-month lifespan but you sold your game and it's out on market you're not going to be in a bad place but if you put a lot of money into a board game app and people only play it for six months, you're in a really bad place. 
Mm. Right. You know what I mean? That's kind of where I'm getting at yeah. the whole thing. So, um, yeah, dude. Well, yeah. Hey, um, randomly. One, one last thing, uh, yeah. Ivan. Uh, what's what's on the table for you next? No pun intended. I mean, um, I know <laughs> last year you did a you did a uh, a, a panel at uh, San Diego Comic Con. I mean, mm-hmm. you got any cons or anything you're gonna be doing? Yeah. So I'll like be that? the the next one is I'm actually gonna be at Gamma for the Gamma Trade Show because um, we're doing some stuff for International Tabletop Day there. Uh, I got an invite to come to PAX South, but I just can't uh. make it, uh, unfortunately. Uh, there's still a chance that I can squeeze in last minute, but um, probably not. I I am considering going to PAX East. I just need to talk to the people at PAX to see if we can, if I can sell ABCs of RPGs there. Um, but then I'll definitely be there for Gamma. We're going to be at Origins. Definitely going to be at Gen Con. So those are guaranteed. I'll probably be at WonderCon down here in Anaheim for a little bit. And then there will be another moment in which, um, well, there's just a lot of stuff. Like there's, there, I'm working on a couple of games right now. I'm working on a micro game as well as a licensed game with a developer. Uh, there's a couple new shows that we're pitching to see if um, they'll get picked up. One's another live show, and then one's a YouTube, like a, an AVOD uh, YouTube cut-to-tape show. Okay. Um, and then International Tabletop Day, Woo. you know. Very cool. <laughs> which will, which and and for people. those that, that aren't going to get a chance to uh, make any of those cons, uh, uh, where can they get the ABCs of RPGs other than Amazon? Is it available anywhere else? The ABCs of RPGs is specifically available on our website. So shop.huntersbooks.com. You can always get it there. There's always copies there. Um, Think Geek currently has copies in place. And then there's also... uh, There's also... um, Bright Fart. Your friendly local game store. Yeah. So your friendly local game store can always order it. You can order it on Amazon, at least for now. And uh, and yeah, and Think Geek. That's so, so cool, Think Geek. So I love Think Geek so much. I mean, they <laughs> have so many cool yeah, things. I know. It's, it's, and it's like the holidays, you always spend so much money on Think Geek than you ever intended. Yeah. It's, it's great. And you're so. like, Oops. One of the favorite things I ever got from them was the it was the Darth Vader mug that has the little stir in it, so it can just stir itself. <laughs> oh That's <my> awesome. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was like doing my finger at it one day, and like somebody was like, how are you doing that? That's amazing. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. Well, right. Ivan, um, thank you very much. For those of you, we, um, Ivan Van Norman, yep. uh, you've been listening to him and, and everything that he's got going on. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much. If you want more information, it's it's e- I'm pretty easy. It just If you go on Twitter, I'm just Hydra underscore Lord, and then I'm on Facebook under my full name. So if you, if you want to find the, the fan page. But it's been honestly a pleasure. I appreciate the invite. It, it means a lot that you took the time to uh, invite me out. Yes, it oh, was... yeah, I appreciate you accepting accepting that. I mean, that, that the minute I said something to Rose, she got. Super I was like, "What?" Um, <laughs> we were we've been, and I was just keeping my fingers crossed that you know, oh, let's just hope this goes through. You know, this is great. So we really appreciate your time. Yeah. And, uh, good wishes to your family and everybody that you work with, and uh, thank you again. No worries, man. We'll take care. Have a beautiful rest of the weekend, and uh, we'll see you on the web. <laughs>